0: Welcome to the first, the inaugural episode of Gabe and Sammy's Movie Review Podcast. Uh, We're still working on a title right now, but I think that it's going to be Eat, Pray, Judge. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, after we shoot this one out, we're going to shoot it out with the working title Eat, Pray, Judge. And if you guys like that title, you can tweet at us. Uh, You might be hearing us spitball some other working titles over the course of the next couple episodes. But today, Sammy, why don't you uh, tell us what movie we're going to be reviewing? Uh, today, we're reviewing "Say Anything."
1: Um, I guess a, a review is is termed loosely. We're gonna we're just gonna talk about everything involving everything. Hey, say anything.
0: Absolutely, anything I'm, about it. We're just we're just two dudes who have had this movie suggested to us by a, a variety of different uh, women in our lives. And uh, so that's basically why we're doing it. This is a cultural blind spot for me. I have no idea what this movie's about. I feel like I've seen it, but it's like stuck up there in the ether with every other sort of John Hughes coming of age uh, rom-com from the 80s. It's brand new, I think, for both of us. I don't. I honestly don't remember seeing
1: it as a kid. I, I knew of the movie, obviously. You know, a John Cusack fan, Cameron Crowe wrote it.
0: Yeah, so well, so the movie came out in uh 1989. Yeah. And uh which was let's let's start there. So 1989 ha- has a year. What was going on, dude? Uh I wore sweatpants every day of my life at that point.
1: Knee socks, sweatpants, various types of Nike's. Uh not much fifth grade for me, man.
0: Yeah, not fifth, which I'm assuming was the same for you. Fifth grade in Tenleytown. I went to a small <laughs> <laughs> I went to a small Catholic school. I was surrounded by uh, ladies. There were 16 girls in my class and four dudes. Were you at St.
1: Anne's this time?
0: That's right. Wow. Yeah. Deep so, cuts. Still wearing Keds. Uh, sweatpants. Ands. Definitely wearing sweatpants. I think I may have had Rex specs. I had the Bo Jacksons at that point. I could have been Ruse. Remember Ruse? Yeah, yeah. Pumps didn't come out for like two more years. I think
1: pumps hit in 90.
0: Yeah, and then people just... Just changed the game. And then you got your pumps popped. Then people would just pop your pumps, dude. <laughs> pumps pop. I never
1: had a pair, dude. I never rock. I, I had the Bo Jackson's at dude, that time. It
0: wasn't the bullies that could afford the pumps.
1: No, it was the shitty kids that didn't want you to be happy. that would pop your pumps. <laughs> yeah, right, right, I know. I still know those dudes. They're, yeah. They're, they're still around. The, yeah, the first wave of
0: kids that got the fun toys were the ones that were bullied.
1: 1989, dude. Gorbachev's election,
0: pre-pumps. Yeah. Oh, oh uh, George uh, Bush. The first.
1: Inauguration, right? Yeah. Exxon Valdez. Valdez. I, you know, I've always thought it was the Valdez for the past 25 years. It's just the Valdez. <laughs> and it was they... leaking cold brew <laughs> in, the, in the
0: Nova Scotia. <laughs> <laughs> and there was this picture in the Mad Magazine of, like, a, an executive, and it said, Exxon CEO, and they had him covered in oil. And that was, like, what the was level this? of my humor at that time was, like, finding that. That cutting-edge satire funny. <laughs> <was
1: me>. just <laughs> soaking oil-drenched birds.
0: Uh, man, uh, I would, would love to actually see a title of that. Like a picture of that, that cover. Yeah. It was Mad or Cracked? What was it? It was definitely Mad, but I was into Cracked, too. I didn't care. What was the difference, man? Well, mad, mad had that pedigree from being like a counterculture rag from the 60s and 70s. Yeah, was it, though? It so, was like satirical
1: humor, basically. I like, feel like the Live Lampoon's people were into that
0: Exactly. Show, All the National Lampoon's yeah. people would have been like, We love Mad Magazine. But like, cracked was like came out afterwards. Just a gullier like... version. It was the Fridays <laughs> to Saturday Night Saturday. Ah, you know, that's a good reference. Yeah, deep Keep cuts. on the comedic spectrum. I, uh, so okay, 1989 though. Like, <sighs> I wasn't watching rom coms. I was into the other great movies that came out that year, like Batman, mm. 1989 Batman. And there was like, Batmania was huge. I remember like looking at this now and realizing that I had a Batman T-shirt. In fifth grade, like the actually the good one, just the black with the logo. Yes, that's it. Perfect. And uh, bat the hype around the movie Batman was so big that uh, you could get this brochure that was like a sharper image catalog or um, what's the other one, Sky Mall. And on the inside, they had like pictures of Bob Kane, the creator of Batman, wearing comic, yeah. wearing like a like a sequined like a, what is it like baseball jacket. Yep. That maybe had his personal signature on it that you could buy for six hundred or seven hundred dollars. Because why, why wouldn't you want that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to look and see if anybody actually bought memorabilia. I mean, from yes, that first film. That's the short answer.
1: That movie, I, I didn't have a big comic book background at all at a young age. Uh, I was more into other stuff, sports, I guess. Uh,
0: that like movie what? Was... Like Redskins.
1: Sure. Should we even say that on this podcast? <laughs> I don't want to get fucking pipelined here. <laughs> we're gonna cut that. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't. I didn't. I never read comic books as a kid. Like I read. Yeah. I read Tintin, like comic
0: books. For, Dude, for those was... like cheese. <laughs> Tintin were that was like a comic book if your parents were francophiles. No. <laughs> if your mom was taught by French nuns. That's... Tintin was on your on your must must read list. No, totally. That was like going to uh, like a kid's um, yeah. house after school, and you'd be like, "Oh, you don't have like all you have <laughs> is health food in here, <laughs> <You> have, like Nutri Grain bars. <laughs> yeah, like not off... the good ones. Apple <laughs> off brand cereals, but not like lower wrong no, like off brand. Yeah, <laughs> and... <laughs> muesli kids would read Tintin. <laughs> Be like, what what VHS tapes do you have here? And oh. they'd be like, I have a copy of the Baron Munchausen. He just wanted to get home with his baguettes. <laughs> yeah. And now what's going on? He's, now, he's in, now he's in the riddle of the golden scorpion. <laughs> with those two bearded clowns. <laughs> and that dog. Oh, dude. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostbusters 2 came out. 2 came out? One That's was right. One was like, what, 85, 84? I remember seeing Ghostbusters 2. Dude, the, the world had changed. Ghostbusters 2 was the yuppie version of, like, Ghostbusters. Let's cash in on it. Say yeah. like
1: five amazingly talented comedic minds and just make just cash in.
0: Yeah, so that was it was a, a much a bummer. Oh, dude, I remember that.
1: One. What was that guy's name? What was the head uh, guy with the oil painting? <laughs> Vigo. Vigo. Vigo the Carpathian. Yeah. Vigo the Vigo the capitalist sellout.
0: The Carpathian. So uh, so that was what was going on in the world. New kids on the block. Mm. R- r- Ripping r- an, r- an asshole <laughs> out of uh, young white women everywhere. <laughs>
1: That's figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, that's something to say. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's obviously really hard to make ten-year-old girls cry. <laughs> so uh, the right stuff. I think that was that was the big one. The that design, was their hit. Oh man, it's rotation. so hanging tough, dude. Hanging tough. That's hangin right. Tough. With uh, whistles. There were traffic whistles in that song. Were there?
1: Yeah. We
0: What was going on, right, uh, in the world of 1989? Just a few of the things. (laughs) No, I think those were the most significant things. We can't possibly cover. Yeah, Nukits
1: on the block, (laughs) Exxon Valdez, and uh, Gorbachev, and uh, H.W. Was he H.W.?
0: He was just George Herbert 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 Walker Bush and Dan Quayle, potatoes. Which was like the like a younger version of Mike Pence. (laughs) (laughs) Savvier Mike Pence. (laughs) He didn't wear his hate on his sleeve. Uh, so, alright, so we got that. That's what's yeah, going on that's with the world. A lot of world, background information. Uh, at the time. And so, the movie, directed by Cameron Crowe. Yeah, directed and written, I believe, by Cameron Crowe. Yeah, you know what else he wrote? Fast Times at Ridgemount High. No, he did. Really? Yes, he did. I did not know that. And he wrote singles.
1: Yeah, that I did
0: know. And he broke out with Jerry Maguire, so yes. that's the movie that everybody remembers him for.
1: The champion of multi aged white angst is what I think Cameron Crowe is. Movies are whiter than shit, man. The whitest...
0: I wanted to get... The whitest them. movies you know. <laughs> Even with Cooper <Cuba> Gooden Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron Crowe yeah, presents the whitest movies yeah. you know. What's well, qualm? Nobody knows. Dude. I'm just making up words. Uh, one other thing was I was listening to a lot of music at that time. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it was the radio. <laughs> yep. And then I had uh, cassette singles. Aerosmith. Cassingles. Love in an Elevator was my jam. <laughs> All year, just played that in my Walkman until the tape popped. Aerosmith made a lot of uh, movie
1: songs at that point in time, I think. They were in like the vice versa soundtrack with Dude Looks Like a Lady. Whoa. Deep uh, cut. Say Anything Back in the Saddle was at the, the, the party scene, which
0: is one of my favorite Aerosmith songs. Great connection Before to the, the film. Yeah.
1: Wait a segue. That was on purpose.
0: Yeah. And uh, oh. So, but at my school, like, uh, it was primarily black. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have a lot of people I, I uh, traded Aerosmith tapes with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very popular in my class at that moment in time, Arsenio Hall, mm. the show, uh, Biv DeVoe. Huge DVD. in my class. DVD. Okay, segueing back into uh, this movie, Say Anything, we we got the star. The star of the film, well, they're stars, but let's say it's starring John Cusack. Sure. Cusack or Cusack? I'm going to say John Cusack. We'll say Cusack. All right. John Cusack. Correct. Uh, huge in the 80s. He'd already made 12 movies before this one. Had he really? Yeah. They said that this was the one that broke him out, but I feel like, I mean, all right. Well, I didn't see any right. of the movies that he made before this. <laughs> Actually, I think you did. I hadn't seen any of the movies that yeah. John Cusack made before this one, but he is best known for 16 Candles Sure. prior to this. Small and then, role. Better Off Dead. Better Off is an amazing movie. So I saw Better Off Dead in college. Uh, yeah. Uh, I had to go back, dig yeah. through the crates to find that one. And uh, I don't remember much of it other than the fact that at one moment he's in sunny California, but then like the next scene he's on a ski slope. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's... That's all I remember about that movie was, like, unrealistic climate changes. Better off dead? Yeah. That's what you got. House. my favorite <laughs> line ever was when they, he was in the trash for
1: some reason in a trash truck, and that woman looks over and says, somebody threw out a perfectly good white boy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the line that stuck in my head. Remember those little Errols compilation uh, VHSs you could get? They would just, like, preview 15 to 20 different movies
0: they would rent? I would watch previews all day long. It was the best thing ever, but that was like the one thing from Be- Better Off to a great movie. Whenever I went to rent movies, that was my, like, I loved watching the previews. Oh,
1: yeah, of course. It's yeah. the best. Um, so uh, he, he was also in a movie, which I know you've seen, and probably one of my favorite movies of all time. If you say Con Air. I will not say Con Air. Oh, no. That came out in the <laughs> 90s. Yeah. Uh, Stand By Me. Yes. Who was he in Stand By Me? He was the star kid's uh, dead brother, the guy that went to Vietnam. So yeah. He had like a... Maybe a three-minute roll,
0: uh, but they tossed a baseball around. But they could do a spin off of Stand By Me, where yeah, they just show just him in NBA. Vietnam, just like, <laughs> collecting Vietnamese ears. I think they did. It was on Making... tour of duty. It was on CBS. <laughs> not, not <good. laughs> China Beach. <laughs> <laughs> China Beach. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I like. I want to say, honestly... Cusack a little bunch of cameos. Yo, Cusack basically entered my consciousness around con air yeah like that was probably the first role where i took him as a serious actor and i knew that he'd done stuff before that but all of that was geared towards a play like, i wasn't part of the market that was going to consume that until the 90s what
1: was he in con
0: air I don't, I don't remember he is the he's like the one cop who figures out that Nicolas cage isn't part of the the hijacked yeah team. okay so, uh, I like one. him in that. I like him, honestly, I like what he's doing now. I think he's doing his best work now. He was in The Butler, where he played, uh, like a slimy Richard Nixon. Yeah, he loves Lee Daniels, I think. Oh, man. <clears throat> and, that was his, and then he was also in The Paperboy. Yeah, he sure was. He was the racist, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wife-beater. Oh, my God. One of my favorite characters. A bayou-bred al- alligator hunting. Just alligator wrestling, Just a uh, wife-killing lunatic Love, degenerate.
1: Man.
0: Lee Daniels, dude, will
1: get any actor to go way out of his, uh comfort zone yeah that's a that's a discussion for another time he by the way is the master of having a phone conversation of a video taped phone conversation on a phone with a cord while holding the actual headpiece and the floor piece Have you notice that there's a scene in this where he does the same thing in high fidelity picks up the
0: phone walks around with it uh, one other interesting fact about him before we move on is that he is into Transcendental Meditation. Mm-hmm. And other famous dudes that were into that, Andy Kaufman and Cheech Marin. Wow. So handle that. Yeah, that's. That I, yeah. my brain can't even process that. <laughs> um,
1: also, he's probably there's probably a world record for appearing in the most movies with your sibling. Mm.
0: Yeah. He's got to hold that record, him and Joan Cusack. Who was on SNL for a year. Was she? Yeah. With Iron Man, Tony Stark. Oh, with
1: Robert Downey. The, uh, yeah. Wow. They were just plucking 80s kids. Yeah. None of them did well. No. Robert Downey Jr. was rated as the lowest, uh, lowest rated cast member in SNL history. <laughs> yeah. Which is bizarre. He's probably one of the most talented actors. She's awesome. I always liked Joan Cusack. She's a very talented actress.
0: I liked her in this. Yeah, she was good in this too. Uh, other um, star of the movie, his uh, romantic lead is <clears throat> Ioni Skye. Yep who I know from uh, none of her acting career, (laughs) almost exclusively from being married to a Beastie Boy. (laughs) And
1: dating, uh, what's his, Anthony Kiedis.
0: Yeah, I was like, oh, did you get name-checked in uh, (laughs) Ill Communication? She did. did. Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) Q-Tip. Q-Tip called out their marriage. (laughs) But yeah, that's true. She's uh, she's in a decent amount of movies that you've seen. Um, This role was like, you know... She didn't do... It wasn't a bad job. I just don't think Cameron Crowe knows how to write women very well. He's like Aaron Sorkin. Ooh, hot take. Sorry. <laughs> she was just like, there was no redeeming qualities. Yeah. Like, he didn't
0: just... She, well, well... The fact that she was cast to be that... You know, she was... That type of role. We'll, we'll get into her and, sure. her and that character. Windham, uh, the other, There were two other um, actors in this I wanted to touch on. That yeah, of course. John Mahoney. Uh-huh. And I thought he looked so familiar but I couldn't put my finger on from where and then I looked him up on IMDb. Just for men. Fraser. Yep, Frasier's dad. Yeah. Wow. And I, I always liked that character because I, I thought of like what I would feel like as a dad and how frustrated I would be if I just had like two erudite sons come home two with like faux British accents. Pretentious
1: <laughs> sons. Um yeah, that he's he was great in that role. He actually endeared a lot of people to that show because I think Frazier was not relatable to a lot of people. Um, Remember <clears throat> my dad liking it.
0: Jumping into the synopsis of this movie, break it down. We've got John Cusack playing <clears throat> Lloyd Dobler, who is a kickboxing aficionado, trench coat wearing, lovable loser, uh, military brat. He is attracted to. Diane Kortz, who's basically a proxy for Lisa Simpson. She's an overachieving... She's like a hot Lisa Simpson. If okay. <laughs> like a non-cartoon... yeah. Lisa, Like a real-life Lisa live, Simpson. Live-action yes. Lisa Simpson. She's got a resume that's going to put people to shame. right? Um, she has a dad who loves her, and she's daddy's little girl. Um, and our man Lloyd Dobler uh, falls for her, and he... Wins her in like a whirlwind romance courtship, and they spend uh, the next two months before she has to go away to Europe together. And the tension of the film is her father is trying to cockblock her the whole time. <laughs> I think mean, all dads are like that's their job. Their little name is cockblock. <laughs> right. So this is a this is a wonderful romantic film about uh about that ephemeral. Um, lo- doomed love,
1: star-crossed
0: that uh, that you have in that brief window of time before you have to grow up and become uh, in like Seattle. A, it's, like, yep, it's like yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you said that in Seattle. So it's the like, backdrop yeah. is pre-grunge yeah. Seattle. It's like uh, <laughs> if the dude from Alice in Chains wrote uh, Romeo and Juliet <laughs> in 1987 so uh so we're we're going to dive into this and see why it's um it's a lot of people's favorites sure. and coming in uh, with uh with no preconceptions about the film, uh, which is the best way to come into it yeah, let's see how if it holds up absolutely for two dudes in their thirties I mean
1: people that I yeah. <laughs> people that I like and trust and whose opinions I appreciate. I had nothing but good things to say about this film. um I went in with a Blake Slang and I'm you know cynical by nature, so
0: show show me okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, okay, so it, it starts off uh, pretty well in the first scene. I like the vibe. Uh, we've got the kids; they're getting ready for some event. I don't know what the event's going to be, and then they're commuting to school. And at this point, uh, our man Lloyd puts uh, in a cassette tape, and I'm I'm loving it already, just for the nostalgia factor. I'm like, oh, cassettes! Like I remember that I used to have the Columbia House uh, subscription where you would buy 30 cassettes for a penny and then you'd get and then you'd have to get um like pay full price yep. which was like $15 per cassette for the, for seven more that year Basically, it was getting us ready for the mortgage crisis. That's <laughs> <laughs> not wrong. Small, subprime ta- tape lending, and no one, no one could default on. Like I feel, well, I feel like hundreds of thousands of kids defaulted, and their parents just had to pay for all this to not get their credit scores ruined.
1: I mean, let's say something about tapes, man. You can record over them. Yeah, and once you got the hardware, dude, you can do. I mean, the quality obviously gets lesser and lesser, but you can record shit, like... dude. I used to record Young MC songs off the radio.
0: Yeah, on a tape. Oh man, I would stay up uh, late, and uh, there was a one radio, only one radio station that played hip hop. It was a college radio station, and it played it late because DC was all go go, yeah, and or, or like R and B, yeah, R and B, rock. Yo, the Quiet Storm, right? It was all <laughs> a lot of Anita Baker, and uh, so I remember <laughs> giving you the best that I got, oh baby. <laughs> Stuff, uh, just um, civil servant music. Oh, as a backdrop, both Gabe and I
1: are born and raised Washingtonians. <laughs> just to make that easy, so for yeah. anybody who, <laughs> for anybody who's not, uh, whoops, sorry. Some of the references are a little
0: inside. Yeah, so we got we'll so work we, on that. <laughs> we got we got Lloyd, he's he's playing a cassette in his car and uh he's listening to the red hot chili peppers. Because why wouldn't you? Because they were fucking awesome. And this then. was back then. This so was nineteen eighty nine before they turned into an adult contemporary. Before Rick Rubin convinced Nancy Kiatus that he could sing. Yeah. You know, this, <laughs> this was like uh, this was like party in your pussy era. And people credit these garbage
1: bands like Corn and Limp Biscuit for creating this hip hop rock vibe. Chili Peppers did it before anybody, and they were that was just them. They were great. Yeah, such a cool band. I
0: want to party
1: Right. So here's my thing, man. Yeah. The beginning, how does he, there's no setup for why he likes this girl. And there's nothing in her being that makes you, other than the fact that she's attractive, makes her that likable.
0: So that's like, so you're getting to uh, our meeting of with uh, Ione Skye's Diane Quartz. The first time we see her is uh, she's in her car mm-hmm. with her dad driving her yep. to the same event. And she's got to give a speech. We don't know what the speech is about. She says that she's uh, really, she's, she's uh, scared to death. The graduation speech. The uh, commencement address. Oh, my God. And then we cut to the high school graduation. <laughs> and the, fir- the first shot is just a sea of smiling white faces. And
1: uh, a white kid, a white male <laughs> singing a Whitney Houston song.
0: <laughs> and I thought if this was in, in black and white, way. this could easily be like a Lenny Reifenstahl. Yeah, <laughs> try- triumph of the Will type video. Just shy of, uh, yeah. And then I see a black principal, and I was like, oh, no, it's not that. Authority figure. So the black uh, principal is the authority figure. He introduces um, the, uh, I believe he introduces Diane Court to see, that stage. He,
1: he basically spells out her resume and her accomplishments,
0: which I don't think a lot of people do. Uh, no. Class valedictorians of high school commencement speeches. So here is her te- uh here's her tension in the film is right. that we see that she has a laundry list of every possible endorsement you can get right she right. is the
1: top accolades Yeah,
0: she is going to cure X cancer on X, on X but uh but she's scared to live because she's never had an authentic mm-hmm. um real life experience I mean who <clears throat> has at a young age Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So a uh, nice shot of the times though is all of the uh, parents are recording everything on um, giant yeah, that's Japanese shot. camcorders. Yep. And, and they can and, hear the whirring, the, the, like, the whirl, the, like the, uh, the whirl noise as they all are recording. It's amazing. So then, after we get this shot of her, like, we're going to establish Lloyd's character next, and Lloyd, in his natural habitat, is doing housework. He's, like, cleaning dishes. He's got a little boy next to him. His, his nephew. Yep. Rocking a mullet. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and then Joan Cusack shows up, his sister shows up, and it's great like I said, great to see the chemistry between these siblings on the okay. screen. Yep. So we see Lloyd here is like he's like the man of the house. His parents are absent, uh traveling the world, and uh Joan she has to raise this kid all by herself because the dad is a deadbeat who's run away. Mm. So Lloyd is Lloyd is like the de facto dad. And also the head of the house. Okay, so the dad ran away. That's the... I just thought he was like a military guy that was always never around.
1: That was, that's his dad. Oh, oh Joe Cusack's guy. I got
0: Yeah. You. Sorry. Of course. And we see Lloyd is like, you know, he doesn't complain. He's like Mr. Morale. He oh. cheers up the kid. He cheers up Joan, who's, who, you know, reasonably bitter <laughs> that things didn't work out. Well, understandably man. so. Yeah. He's seen some shit. Lloyd, Lloyd's got, uh, Lloyd's got some mileage. Yeah, he's got some life in his back pocket, that guy. Yeah, and then Diane's dad on the, you know, we cut back to him, and he's like a helicopter dad, helicopter parent, and he's pouring all of his dreams and aspirations into her. Is that what that term means? That's how I'm going to use it. Yeah, it's like when a, huh. when a parent hovers over their kid. Man, living vicariously. You know, or you could call it like a tiger mom. Yeah, he's a But tiger that's like dad. a little bit more eth- ethnic. Oh, he's a polar dad. He's a polar... That's <laughs> 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 white male version like, of like the, tiger mom. Like the Aryan nation <laughs> <laughs> version of being a caring father. <laughs> you know, a polar dad. a yeah, polar dad. <laughs> oh, shit. Cool. So... Like a like a alt right dad.
1: Yeah, overbearing, but seemingly good intentioned. You know, no, doesn't seem uh, you know.
0: Yeah, he seems like a chill dude. Uh, Chills, but, but not, not chill. Overrated. Chill is not the right word, but um, uh, well, well meaning. Well, yes, perfect. Um, yeah, exactly. Another scene that pops up pretty soon after that is uh, Lloyd practicing karate, kickboxing. Thank yeah. you for, for and I feel if they remade this movie today, it would be MMA. He'd have an octagon. Yeah, <laughs> he could have built his own <laughs> octagon. Um, yeah, the kickbox which he seems into, but not very good at. Dude, I used to have karate pajamas. Dude, you didn't? Uh, yeah, of course. I had white karate pajamas. My brother, he's like three years younger, he had red ones. And we had those little uh, slip-ons. Yeah. With uh, no cushioning in the sole. yeah. That, uh, you know you know the ones I'm talking about? Exactly where like when it's wet that. outside, exactly. you yeah, just like real, you slip. Just... Yeah, of course. Yeah, no tread. Know them very well. And uh, I thought those would make me super. Like the same way that Jordans would make you jump higher. Yeah. I thought that those like would say that shit. little little slip on uh, black ballerina shoes mm. <laughs> <Just> would, <like laughs> would make me kick higher. American Ninja Warrior kicks. Yeah. Um. Uh, so karate, that was big back then.
1: So was huge. kickboxing. I must have taken the same karate class at three different points in my life. How long did you last in karate uh, never, before you I gave moved up? up to Yellow Belt once I think
0: yeah uh, i thought it would be so much cooler than it was <clears throat> <laughs> so <laughs> much focus did you go in dc yeah. really because my my parents we tried to find a place and what if... we went out to like where there was a korean enclave mm. uh in the suburbs June Yes Judery <laughs> I remember those commercials Yeah dude He beat up uh,
1: Bruce Lee Apparently in 91 seconds So I got his He got his local commercial slot Nobody bothers me
0: When you Yeah, like, at June reed. Yeah. It was the kids. <laughs> <laughs> like we're hungry. <laughs> but yes, then I like, know. dude, I so I showed up and everyone else in the class is Korean and they are amazing at uh yeah. take it was taekwondo. That's what I took. And I got uh I think I got chicken pox, like 2 weeks in. And I got it I got it, I got it like the way that like native americans got smallpox. Like my whole body was just covered from head to toe. In bliss, I couldn't no, sit. I had to sit no, on no, pillows.
1: Whitehead.
0: Yeah, oh. I had to sit sideways on pillows, like a uh, like an oligarch, like the way that they paint pictures of uh, of uh, <laughs> Roman emperors, just like eating grapes,
1: posted the fuck up on their backs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I had to do that because because I, I couldn't I didn't want to pop the blisters. Yeah, so then we go back. <laughs> <laughs> I went back one time after I recovered enough to go, and I was like, I can't, dude, I can't even get, I can't grapple. No, man. No one I, would want to touch you. But <laughs> no one would want to touch <laughs> Sneeze on yeah. people. I had Deadpool skin. Jeez. <laughs> That's awesome. So, anyway, uh, karate. Karate didn't work out for me. Apparently, Sorry, I mean take on I mean kickboxing. I mean, whatever it is. <laughs> surprised that you and I didn't practice
1: in the same dojo, the district, the DC dojos.
0: so oh but then Lloyd goes and he kicks game on the phone this was such an amazing scene it brought me back to a time before Tinder where you know on a landline before the internet like that was basically just entertainment talking to a stranger on the phone I remember calling people on the phone um, other kids and not necessarily knowing them that well and like, especially girls. Like, you'd call girls and they'd be like, nah, I'm not interested in hanging out. But that was your job to turn a no into a maybe, into a yes. And it was like, how long? Just keep them on the phone. Keep them talking. It was very The Negotiator. Jesus, see, that's like uh, Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary Glenn Ross <laughs> on the phone. Well, now, I mean, that's things have changed. Yeah. Like, now there's, I don't ever talk on the phone. No, yeah, you don't need to. All you get is like a smiley face emoji. Yeah, that's true. But that's, that's
1: okay by me. You remember the uh, three-way calling when you would ask a girl out for your friend or to find out if you were inter- she was interested in your friend and your friend would just sit up quietly on the third line Hell and yeah, say just CIA wiretapping. Why, way to set yourself up for some horrendous <laughs> scarring, by the way. It's a bad idea. Yeah,
0: so uh, what do you think about Trent? Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> and then I, he, I, I, you have to hear that? Yeah, but and then the slow-mo Ralph Wiggum heartbreak yeah, and like, <laughs> video. <laughs> and you're just
1: like, oh, that shit, I gotta go.
0: They you just hang up. Your voice crying. Um, yeah. And so then that, she hangs up and just, you just, just hear his, him sobbing on the other end. Just a simpler time. Yeah. dance
1: is small dick. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, a simpler time. So, kudos to Dobbler for, 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 for sacking up, basically, and uh, just calling her. She also, again, doesn't seem very interesting or interested. She's like, okay, I'll go out with you.
0: Yeah, there's no... there The, the one thing I predicted that didn't happen in this film is that I thought that um, Lloyd was going to get with uh, Lily Taylor's character, his best friend who plays uh, guitar, the singer-songwriter girl. Oh, the, the heartbreak kid? Yeah, the proto-riot girl. Yeah. And uh, later Kenny, yeah, that girl, you know, she was much more interesting, uh, more dynamic. She's always crazy, always. She's always the same kind of crazy in all her roles. She's she's perfect at that, yeah. I've, I've seen her in countless things, but I can't, I she don't was, remember any of them. She
1: was in uh, six feet under,
0: okay, which is an awesome show. She played the wife that disappears,
1: yeah, was murdered. Uh, whoops. Uh, <laughs> they would never wanted to watch that show. You should still watch it. It's incredible. Spoiler alert. Um, she also was plays an ex girlfriend of John Cusack's in High Fidelity. Mm-hmm. She's one of the ones that he revisits. Yeah. Yep. So she, he goes back. He goes back back to the well. And she should never go down. You know, never go down that well. Don't Jessica. ever go back to the well. Don't be, don't be Jessica. Baby Jessica. Stay away <laughs> from that danger zone. Uh. So yeah. He. Uh. I guess I didn't. I don't know.
0: They maintain that friendship, which is great. Yeah, um, and there was never a moment where I also predicted that there would be a moment where she would show up and um, ex- like express her feelings for a, him through song. Right. <laughs> right, you would think. Yeah, serenade I mean, I, him.
1: I think she like was creatively tapped after writing sixty eight songs about that dude uh, <laughs> Serpico with the love ballad, the the Whitney Houston
0: song in the beginning. Joe. Yeah, you know what I like? I like when Joe. Brings up so this is like taking us to the party, which was the next scene to talk party about. Party about anyway. But, but the par- yeah, the par- the party was like you know the proto the archetype of nineteen eighties parties. Op- opens with back in the saddle. Per- perfect party. Uh, we get we get the first person POV shot mm. of uh, as we're panning around as we're entering, and then yeah, a <laughs> very juvenile. Yeah, <laughs> <It was laughs> your Price my first Scorsese <laughs> montage. It was like mean or a, a winner. <laughs> uh yeah and uh yeah so so we go there and we've got lloyd and he's got to handle the designated driver big sack of keys yeah and i wonder when when uh drunk driving started being like an issue that was
1: actually a surprising little point to me i mean i think it's been an issue for since people have cars and alcohol but i right. feel like uh, but
0: like in other countries you can still drink and drive people yeah, don't care Europe, man, where you can drink wine and have kids if you're my uncle you can still drink and drive it doesn't matter, doesn't matter. yeah it just depends on the guy yeah, it depends on the, the, the man or woman.
1: Yeah, but I, I was actually surprised uh, at that level of sort of dedication to that one aspect of the party scene. You know, like, you, well, you know, know, very focused on letting people know that people were drinking. Like, you know, maybe it's a personal uh, issue for Cameron Crowe that he wanted to talk about.
0: Yeah. Because it, they took it seriously, and I was surprised. He's the hero. It was Lloyd almost the, like a Bud Light commercial. Uh-huh. Uh, with a uh, heart. Is Jeremy Piven the guy that tackles him? Yeah. Yeah. Another thing, man, Cusack seems to only work with people he's, like,
1: gen- genuinely friends with. They all grew up in the same, like, area of Michigan, somewhere outside of Detroit. Okay. Pim uh, and him have been friends for years. They're in a few different movies together. First Point Blank, again, he plays his best friend from high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, that's him. That duster, though. I, yeah, that's a <laughs> Um, I love how they brought in when she first gets in the car before the, well, on the way to the party, by the way. She sits in, and like, it's that one like awkward moment when like, you turn your car on, and you can clearly fucking blast some music. Yeah. You're psyched and pumped up, and you forget that it's that loud when you get out of the car, and you get back into the car. That was a cool little scene. I felt that. I liked it. I Probably felt that have, anxiety, who too. Who hasn't done that?
0: Um, so they go, they're, they're at the party. He's rocking this duster which is like, uh, I remember when uh, Marlboro Miles existed, mm. and you could... You, camel you, bucks. If you had enough uh, camel bucks, you could buy a duster. Yep. You could order a duster from the brochure for like yeah. 10,000 of these little... Or if little you wanted tickets. to get
1: like just rapid onset lung cancer, you could get a, uh, a kayak.
0: Remember? kayak. <laughs> <laughs> Like for, <laughs> for the outdoorsy type yeah. that loves smoking. Yeah, you know, they have like an IV, an IV rack, Got ox- like a, a little, little <laughs> What little I, for your oxygen tank? I just imagine like a, like a ninety-seven-year-old mummified man just chain smoking oh God, and yeah. saving all of his bucks. Yeah, on a comp, to get a copper river to get a kayak for his grandson. Oh. <laughs> it was like, oh
1: yeah. Like, a, just a constant reminder of why your dad, like, granddad's no longer with you. Just <laughs> a big Marveluno. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. My grandpa's dead. Uh, yeah. yeah. He left me this, though. That duster.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this this fucking canoe. <laughs> This party's great, but uh, Lily Taylor's there, and she's holding court, man. Yeah. What type just of
1: a, a lunatic? strong,
0: cold bummer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, there's nothing about that. That is the most penis softening introduction to a person I've ever seen. Like I don't even know how anyone could tolerate that. Oh, and the songs man. were
0: just fucking bad. But she had groupies. <clears throat> People cared. Yeah, man. Other sad chicks. What? But Joe. Joe was her boyfriend. And at the it wasn't even
1: her boyfriend. He was dating somebody else. Oh,
0: but he he said one of the best things though. When he, he was like, uh, "I'm inspiring her." Yeah, like he saw himself as the hero of as the story. story. He was the muse. Yes, absolutely. And people need muses, so sure. remember that. I will. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Thanks for the Whitney Houston cover,
1: and your tremendous insight into life. <laughs> um, yeah, the songs were bad. Who else uh that was where pamela adlin who is a very talented comedic actor as well and writer uh she was one of the girl on the couch when they were sitting there talking about joe that was a young pamela adlin who
0: what do know, i know her from what do you know she her from? has she's
1: a co-executive producer and part writer on 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 was on louis when it was still airing hell yeah she was in lucky Louie, she played his wife <gasps> she was in californication i
0: love her yeah she's great okay. really funny really funny person uh, Dude, Lilith was there, too. Lilith. I t- call her Lilith because it's from Cheers.
1: Oh, but Bebe Newworth,
0: Frazier's wife. Degrees of,
1: six Degrees of Frazier.
0: So much cuter than she's portrayed on the show. Oh, man, she's a good-looking she's, woman. She's, she's a, a stone-cold fox.
1: Completely talented stage actor. I think she's like a theater person. Yeah. That's her big draw. You can tell. I don't know.
0: What what was, what was she doing at that party? At okay. Uh, well, it was inappropriate that she was there in the first Absolutely. place. Because she was the guidance counselor. It looks like she wanted something. She wanted something. She wanted Lou to come have a talk with or uh, Lloyd to come have a talk with yeah, her. Yeah, we need
1: to get that. Yep. 100% Lloyd. Um, because he was throwing his life away, apparently, by not having
0: a decision made after high school. Which well, is, that's. I can relate to. So, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and honestly, the dad later on should have said, You really need to just go take a Tony Robbins seminar before you come date back. my daughter.
1: I mean, at this point, what, you know, maybe I grew up in a different generation. How Eight, many eighteen-year-olds know exactly what they're doing? You know, everyone goes to college if you think you have to. But I respected Lloyd. Also, you're gonna you're, you're gonna take uh, life pointers from a fucking guy that scams old people out of money. Okay. While you're visiting him in the fucking clink.
0: So we can we we can jump <laughs> <laughs> jump to that because I might not know a lot, but I have known enough to keep myself out of prison. That's actually something really fascinating. Is that the Dad is a white collar criminal in this. White collar, and I think that this movie, a this movie was targeted towards white people without question, and I also think it was targeted towards uh, upper middle class, sure, uh, white women as its target demographic. Mm-hmm. And in some way, are they? They're trying to humanize white collar criminals. Like I bet That's this. An interesting take. I think of this happening sort of. At the end of, like, the Reagan era, Mm -hmm. uh, the yuppies, uh, like, the savings and loans, scandals, Mm -hmm. and, like, a bunch of white-collar criminals getting caught. And this is a way to just sort of, like, justify his character, the character of her dad, Mr. Quartz. It's, like, showing you that these weren't, they're not terrible people. They're just doing it for their kids, man. They're just robbing old people for their kids. Well, yeah. I mean, sell it how you want. That's you know. I'm not on board with it. You no,
1: know, it's sneak thieving, and you're literally going after the worst demographic ever. Like you know, besides kids, like old people, like <laughs> grandparents' money. The most vulnerable. Just shitty, shitty way to go. Especially when he's like what eight years out from that. <laughs> you gotta be careful, man. Karma's a motherfucker. Uh, yeah, I mean that's what's definitely one way to look at it. I feel like it just gave him his just uh, his, his due.
0: Well, it it I it also made the character a little bit more dynamic. It gave us another plot
1: turn in the movie where it just wasn't like a like a love story with like you know the, the fringy cat and
0: the like honor roll pretty girl. It's a pretty sparse film. I thought it was, yeah, agreed. Like plot wise, not a lot happens. Mm-hmm. We've got very uh, linear storyline with the exception of the dads. Yeah, they meet. They go to a party. Uh, they have a couple courtship dates. Yep. They end up sleeping together. She tells her dad they slept together. Oh, my God. Why? This is so gross. Why would you ever... Yeah. No one... No. And it was amazing. Not even, like, Maury Povich uh, mom, <laughs> mom-daughter mom duos that sleep with the same dude and say, oh, my mom is my best friend, have that type of intimate... They fuck the same cat. <laughs> right. They don't... Like, they find out on Maury that right. they've had sex with the same dude, and then they fight. <laughs> even though... But, like... <laughs> Oh, man, that must have sounded so loud. Uh,
1: yeah, that I, that scene was like, I was uncomfortable watching it, and I have
0: no, right. no, no dog in that fight whatsoever. I was just like, ew, yeah. both of you need to go and take showers right now. Yeah. Not together, you creeps. We need to murk one another. Mm. But he handled it pretty well, you know? Yeah. I mean, as well as you're going to handle that,
1: that sort of information. Uh, I think he somewhat had a, had a soft spot for for, for Lloyd.
0: Yeah. I mean, he developed one, I think. I, he, he definitely develops one. So then, so then, honestly, the film is less about Lloyd and Diane halfway through because we shift to the, the dad having the most important life changing um, sort of tension in his life. Yeah. Which is being audited by uh, the IRS and just crying and, in a phantom. Yeah. Oh. An audit would leave, well, that would happen to you. You know, I would cry in the bathtub. If That's I'm one of my favorite run. scenes. It's a good scene. I love seeing a grown man fully dressed, just crippled, fetal, crying in a in a bathtub. Do you think he was scared for himself, or do you think
1: he was worried that he was the one thing is he really seems to give a shit about on this planet it was his daughter and her his daughter's life? Yeah. <laughs> um, is that why he was crying? Because he thought that she would become dis- 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 disassociated with him completely, or because he was actually genuinely afraid that he fucked up?
0: I mean, it's, it's, it's probably a combination of the two, but. I mean, it's it's destroying his entire reputation. Everything about it, everything yeah. about uh, the entire community that he built, and I think he genuinely. It looked as though he was pay, like treating his old people well, and uh, they had like a nice place that they were staying. It wasn't as though he was abusing them. What was the scam exactly? I think he was just overcharging for the for like retirement home yeah. situation, yeah, and insurance. And then, uh, and he goes to jail in, like, the fastest plea deal you've ever seen on yeah. film. Well,
1: hey, they were at 87 minutes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Cameron Crowe would
0: surprisingly cut some time. They're usually, like, three-hour sieges. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he goes to jail, and then I thought, oh, man, this movie just took a turn, and it's going to become an action film. It's yeah. going to be, like, blood in, blood out as we watch this, like, old white-collar criminal shank his way to the top yeah. of the prison hierarchy. <laughs> Um, playing tennis and just making deals. I just wanted him to join, like, the, uh, like, the Brown Mafia. Be you, Brown Union.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that led to one of the best scenes in the film, um, when Cusack visits him. Yeah. Daughter. She wrote that note. I mean, it's just, here's the thing with this movie. It's just a solid movie. Like, I understand why people enjoy it. Uh, the reviews, if you ever, I mean, we'll, we'll get to some eventually here, but It's funny when people sort of, like, universally agree on something being good. I like reading the bad reviews for it. But it's it's, it's just a solid movie. I mean, like, it is effectively a a cheesy-ish high school coming-of-age love story with, like, a fringe character, a goody-goody. There is this little twist, but it's solid, and it's, like, a fluid film. Like, they did a good job. And there's, like, redemption enough. Yeah. Uh, And that's really what sells people on this story. Um, For having two... One slightly interesting character in Cusack's and one kind of, like, just bland not an interesting character at all, and then the death. and then yeah. like a good ensemble cast and it's a good enough story. So
0: yeah, I can break it down that way. I think for like nostalgia value, I enjoyed <clears throat> watching it. Uh, it also felt like I was catching up on a pop culture touchstone for sure. a lot of people. Uh, I think uh, it helped me like reevaluate John Cusack as an actor, and I can see like what his appeal was in the eighties. Also, I feel like he was doing a little bit of a Bill Murray. I'm going to explain. He's got this sort of, like, Chicago, like, his delivery, his cadence was very Bill Murray early on in the, in the film. And he's also, like, sort of a zany uh, yet safe uh, contrarian. Like, he's an outsider, but he's still, like... Inside enough. out. But he's the most inside. Yeah. Like, he's the Captain America character. He is the designated driver. He is, um... The a Taekwondo
1: artist. Yeah,
0: he's a very good uncle. He's like
1: an 18-year-old Renaissance
0: man. Yeah, in a lot of ways, he's a lot more accomplished than uh, than the heroine. But, um... And then, there, like, the one scene where I thought, oh, he reminds me so much of Bill Murray was right after he gets off the phone. First, him charming her on the phone. Right. And then, uh, him picking up his nephew and playing air guitar with his nephew. Great. Seems
1: like a, a loving, like, you know, and she—I think he caught a lot of shit from his sister in that one scene. She was like, "Why don't you stop being his buddy and start being—and be sister? an uncle? What? That's what uncles are. Uncles
0: are buddies. That's your job. Yeah, your, your job is to be the the chill he was male. Basically,
1: asking him to be to the, be more of his dad. It's like, no, that's not really a fair role to play. Like that kid needs positive energy because he's going, you know, right because of the situation. Nothing but that. He needs, and, he needs a friend, a male, a good male Roma. <laughs> and I think Cusack was—he
0: locked that shit down. Good job, buddy. Uh, one sort of. Uh, tension in this movie. One thing I thought about was the uh, how relationships work, mm-hmm. and in this film, we have Diane Court's Ione Skye's character is the the one that's going to be successful on paper, right? And everything to Cus- lose. Cusack's character is is the one who doesn't know what he wants, mm-hmm. but he's going to be a good boyfriend, right? And there's two schools of thought. Like I'm of two minds around this. One is. Uh, He's, that's a terrible thing to be, to be the hanger on, mm. to be the barnacle. Oh, the worst. To not have a thing that you live for other than your partner. And then to piggyback onto her trip to London for school,
1: which just seems like the world. Yeah. When he was saying that, I was like, oh, that relationship will be over three months. Regardless of what
0: happens, they're not, they didn't date much longer, I but guarantee Is me saying that, uh, like, in a way, sexist? Is he just playing like the reverse role of like sort of what – in relationships, is there one person who's just like got to be the alpha and the other one has to be subservient to the goals and dreams and aspirations?
1: Absolutely not because I don't think that breeds a solid foundation. Like if you're – I mean anybody will tell you. Would you follow a girl – somewhere would would a girl follow another like a guy somewhere like it's just bad
0: you know past it has been more of like women have followed men
1: i feel like in 1989 gender roles were more clearly defined in like a negative way so i feel like this was kind of like counterculture to that like he was leaving his you know life which was up in the air anyway to go travel with her yeah and i'm sure like his character since he seems to be I wanted to go see where The Clash performed or some shit. You know, like that's some John Puse actually right there. <laughs> I honestly think this character was the guy from High Five Fidelity in high school. Yeah. Like that dude. Yeah, um, so High Fidelity was like the sequel to Say Anything. Effectively, yeah. It was like the same thing. You know, like I... I it, yeah. Same dude. Same phone holding, uh, you know, on, on a phone
0: with a cord, just carrying, carrying around the base with you. Yeah. I, d- I also just know that if I met someone in my life at this point... Uh, a John Cusack character, a Lou, uh, not Lou Dobbs, sorry, L- Lloyd, <laughs> Lloyd Dobler, the, <guy> <laughs> the guy from Moneyline. Yeah, <laughs> you know Lou Dobbs, Lloyd yeah. Dobblers. You mean Sean Hannity? <laughs> yeah. If I met uh, O'Reilly, yeah. Uh, <laughs> O'Reilly Cusack, um, and I said, "What's up, man? What are you doing here?" And he was like, "I don't know. I'm just followed my girl here." Yeah. I'd be I would be But here's the thing su- uh, Suspicious Oh I think I know you well <laughs> enough that You'd be like Get the fuck out of here
1: <laughs> Bad idea dude But I also think Like at 18 She's going to Europe You don't have a, You know You don't have anything Going on really Other than kickboxing Except for the nephew Go go to Europe Yeah you know, It's not gonna last anywhere, Just have fun dude yeah. yeah you think it lasted No <laughs> so how I long did.
0: how long do you think that they I live give them together I six month
1: to a year window I give them a three month window of happiness <laughs> so she's like why is this fucking barnacle so here I'm literally getting my education and this yeah. dude's just fucking walking around eating meat pies and shit sampling Indian foods in South London yeah no I don't think that lasted at all that's basically what the title <laughs> it should have been called I give it three months <laughs> That should have been
0: the title of this movie. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I would never... Follow, used to, yeah, faulting people is
0: never a good look. So I guess, like... I, you know, they should have addressed that. Yeah. You know? But I... Yeah. I guess I wonder if... If, uh, people... What the fuck do I know? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, it's... Yeah, three months. Three months tough.
0: Three months of happiness. <laughs> Seven months of, like, just being, like, emotionally needy to each other, and then just breaking up for three months. Just being like, how are we paying rent? Yeah. Again. And he's like, like you want to watch me dance? Motherfucker, they pay for, like, I'm in school here.
1: And he's like, I learned this new, well, I don't even know what he what would learn. He <laughs> learned. Yeah, what'd you do today? I, got, I
0: walked around. It was pretty cool. I got the sweet Johnny Rotten pin for my coat. <laughs> <laughs> that's the movie i don't know i I give it i give it a b minus like i don't think i'm gonna ever watch it again it was uh forgettable and also painless uh there was nothing about it where i cringed um and uh and it was interesting to watch like all of these actors being young i like the soundtrack too
1: so that was a highlight for me was like cameron
0: crowe does a really great job with with uh, picking good music, yeah, not so much writing women, but picking good music is definitely a strong suit. I'm going to agree with you, uh, and I'd love for anyone who who listens to this and cares, if they want to give <laughs> us feedback on on whether or not they think that uh, Cameron Crowe wrote good uh, female characters. Yeah,
1: women and men. I'd like to hear both of your opinions, and uh, you know, we'll we'll bring you on. You can state your case. Just email <laughs> us. That's,
0: we don't know the title of this podcast yet. Uh, you know, working title right now is is uh, "Eat, Pray, Judge." <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I, I think this is probably going to be one of the more favorably critically reviewed movies that we go over. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, just because to get in the '90s in both Rotten Tomatoes and critic scores is not easy, and to be just well liked by everyone. All right. So
0: you have. Uh... Break down some reviews. Where are you going to get these?
1: So I'm all over the place. I'm using the uh, the Flickster app, which is like a combination of Rotten Tomatoes and Fandango and IMDb and all these things. Um, Some on Amazon because the Amazon reviews are just purchaser reviews, which are hilarious. Guys don't consider themselves cinephiles or anything like that. They're just like... (laughs) (laughs) It's just really the people. Yeah, they're Joe Lunchbox or whatever. (laughs) Just (laughs) talking about shit. (laughs) So one of my favorites, uh, and this is honestly like a very, like... Again, universally well-liked movie. Uh, critics, I found one poor critic review and I just didn't even want to read it. It was too technical and annoying. Um, but, yeah, it, it was it was kind of hard to find bad ones, so I kind of wanted to read some, some of the bad ones. Yeah. Um, so this, uh, Rowan Oak <laughs> on Amazon, uh, gave this movie one star. Uh, the caption of this review is, uh, Cameron Crowe has never listened to people actually say anything. Um <laughs> So this basically starts off, I'm just going to read it verbatim very quickly. Uh, I didn't see this film when it came out. I was a teenager who didn't much care for teenager movies, but over the years I have been shamed and bullied and told I have to watch this movie, that I will love this movie. I didn't love this movie. In fact, this movie just confirmed all the negative things I thought about Cameron Crowe as a writer and director. First of all, people don't don't talk like these characters or any characters he writes. It's like he never actually listened to people speak. He picks good music, seems to be the highlight of his film. Stories are dull, the characters are flat, ridiculous, and speak like whiny robots who are trying to emulate human emotion but failing miserably. Uh, just don't see it. If you haven't seen it, don't bother. If you saw it as a teen and loved it, don't rewatch it. You'll regret it. John Cusack is the best part of it, and he's playing someone who I cannot imagine being a real human being. <laughs> uh, Ioni Sky is awful. And he's sorry that he let people force him to watch the movie. Uh, that being said, uh, you know, just a negative review, I've liked a few Cameron Crowe films a lot, but I, I kind of agree with his breakdown of how he writes people. Um, whiny Robot sounds right, especially when it comes to women in his movies.
0: I mean, you turned me around. Uh, when you first said that at the beginning of this podcast, I was like, whoa, what... Yeah. what are you are you going to start bashing um, Ione Sky? And uh, the more I see it, uh, the less... I see that that character as a real human being. She just doesn't have any. There's, she's one dimensional at best. She's a like a da- like a sort of a porcelain doll, daddy's girl. Yeah, but then there's just
1: no there's no arc to her character. It's always the same. She gets well happy, and then she's
0: sad, and then she's sad, and then she's happy, and then she's still kind of sad. And for such a smart person on paper, the fact that at the end she's just gonna like let this dude fly with her. Well, she's eighteen. <laughs> All right, I mean, so let's not be judged. <laughs> you have another, another review for me? Yeah.
1: Um, so this is one from a guy named uh, <laughs> John Ballantyne uh, on Fandango, or Flickster. One and a half stars. Wow, again, a film that inspired so many teen lives and so many parodies. The film that launched Cameron Crowe and John Cusack just doesn't measure up. Another film that I should have seen as a youth that doesn't do anything for me as an adult. So basically... I guess we have the opposite idea of this movie. Like I actually, you know, I don't. Ha- when people say r- romantic comedy, chick or anything like that, chick flickish, I my expectations are a never high. Yeah. So anything that's even remotely good is a pleasant surprise. This yeah. was a little bit better than that, and a fluidly done movie. Like I, I can watch Cameron Crowe movies because they're just entertaining enough. You yeah. Know, like Jerry Maguire was like, you know, just a good enough movie. Almost Famous was a good movie, but his pe- the people don't seem like real human beings to me. They're yeah, like, you know, and, and that—that's I still think that's what this is. I mean, no, I, no I, high school kids talk like that.
0: Yeah, like they just don't. Well, it's uh, that he would be such a um, a, a positive human being in yeah. his life circumstances. Yeah, at, eight, at eighteen, nobody's that cerebral. No, I would imagine him self-aware. having a, lar- a like a big chip on his shoulder. Yeah. And uh, treat, and not even really wanting to be around Ioni Sky's. Character. Absolutely. I still feel like that. I'm want to be against a hyperproductive,
1: uh, you know, by-the-book person. Uh, so this last one-star review I'm going to read uh, by St- Steve Golak. I started couldn't finish it. I was really not having a good time with it. Fast forward several years. Okay, I decided to finish it, so I just can't do the intentionally awkward thing. Something really annoying and self-serious about it. The focus on the broken glass and many other moments are embarrassingly cringe-worthy. <laughs> she loves him because he pointed out glass. Um, that's actually true. This, to Crow, is apparently the essence of romance. Uncomfortable sex scene and rap scene make it unbearable. In fact, I don't think I've ever
0: seen a movie with more awkwardness in my life. Oh, by the way, that rap scene was dope. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, uh, the uncomfortable sex scene, the awkwardness of it, they're just like covered in sweat, but shivering. Yeah. And still clothed. And yeah. Yeah. Covered in sweat and shivering.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like they had like an epileptic. (laughs) They went from like, this guy actually says that this is amazed at how anticlimactic it was. This is a woefully, a woefully painful attempt at attaining John Hughes greatness. It's not even in the same solar system. That's actually the interesting. I didn't read. Uh, yeah, I see that. Instead, like all it's like it seems like all they did was move the sixteen candles kids to a suburb of Seattle as opposed to Chicago. Um, it's funny, man, because at the same time, I agree with the negatives the other people are pointing out. You know, I mean, I didn't love this movie. I didn't hate it. I you know, I think for what it was, it was solid. It was better than a lot of the stuff that was coming out at the time. You know. Which movies? Honestly, I didn't watch that genre in in nineteen eighty nine. I wasn't even that wasn't even in my
0: lack of a better terms. get back on this dude, uh, Cusack's He's, character. Another thing that thinking about it now that makes him unique is that he doesn't have any male friends.
1: He does though. He had that one scene when the guys were trying to hype him up, and that was like that was a scene that I probably my favorite scene in the movies. And the guys were like really trying to help this dude who was bent, bent out of shape. But they seem like genuine. Like that's better they, than I've uh, gotten from
0: my friends during breakups. You know. I know. They seem like uh like right out of Swingers. All these
1: dudes seem way too self-aware and just like with it to be
0: high school kids. Yeah. Got to move on, man. It's like age, shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh shit. But uh, I thought I had this idea that You're he had just he was morning, he I was. Were. <laughs> I, I thought that he was somehow like uh, his two main confidants were his sister. And uh, the bass playing, guitar playing musician Lily Taylor played mm. because he's talking to himself in the car with his voice recorder. Yeah, like he's at, like he's doing a Bill Burr podcast, and he's like, maybe I'll just go hang out with guys now. Yeah, that's a like, good idea. <laughs> so it didn't seem like they were part of his like daily d- social diet. They were just kind of like he was just trying something new.
1: Yeah, I don't know why that seems to be like
0: yeah. I, what am I bringing up I'm just bringing up that in like a lot of teen movies oh, where you have a male protagonist he's gonna have like a wingman
1: yeah he's gonna have his buddies as like the cross pals yeah yeah of
0: course and in
1: this movie his best he's, friends are girls yeah ladies teenage girls mm-hmm. and he is well, I, I think they were trying to break it in you know what he didn't define well was the clickiness like he initially brought up the fact that like she Lily Taylor's character was like she's a brain she's with other brains and um you know, they uh, like that. Like, they were forming these cliques, so they're obviously like the cool, like trench coat wearing, like off the fringe kids that were made fun of by like the normal socials.
0: I immediately thought trench coat mafia. As everyone well. does,
1: and that's, <laughs> this movie proves that uh, white dudes with high tops and trench coats uh, have a, have a heart. So at least one out of ten. Um. So yeah, yeah. I mean, they were, they were trying to like break it down into this clicky high school thing, but they didn't really, you know, yeah, go up on that. Except for the fact that everyone was really proud of her for dating Lloyd Dobler. Lobbler. remember people <laughs> like yo at the party? Yeah, they're like yo Lloyd Dobbler, She's like yeah. And they're like nice, <laughs> <Like, laughs> high fiving her and shit. Um, yeah, so I guess it was just like a click thing, you know. Um, you know, we should read one positive review. Yeah. Uh, and so this person, another Amazon user, basically quotes like, "This is the movie that I use to see if someone is worthwhile." So you get people that are like, "This is the worst movie ever." Don't watch it. And then, to some people, this is how they judge the worth of a human
0: being—whether oh, <laughs> or
1: not they like the movie. They
0: basically they put the movie on, and then they don't even watch. They just sit uh, perpendicular to the screen yeah. and stare at the person that's watching it for the first time to see what their micro reactions are. Yeah, and they're just
1: covering their mouth so they don't like spit up, you know, quote a line at the
0: same time. And uh, then they're like, "What? You didn't like it? You didn't get what? What? You gave it an eight, not a ten? You're a human trash fire."
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, what if. Someone didn't like the living, you know, Evil Dead. What would you think? Yeah, there I you hear go. You. So this person makes sense, I guess, in that sense. But this is a little bit. Ridiculous. She's like, uh, you know, she goes on to say, "Yes, and I have a. If, if you say yes, just liking, say anything, then I have a friend for life." My uh, response: That would be your standards are suspect. You need to figure out better no ways to keep friends than, you know, <laughs> then, find uh... out. Um. But, you know, she just loves this movie. Her favorite scene is actually when John Mahoney breaks out in the bathtub as well. She loves that scene. Little Urban Lloyd has his picture taken. I gave her my heart and she gave me a pen. There's a lot of quotable lines in this movie. It's a cute film. Girls that were 16, 15, 14 watching the movie were probably enamored with it, you know? Um, I enjoyed watching it. Enough. Uh, I can say,
0: honestly, that I would never um, watch it again. After the podcast. So it's a one and done, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, That's what I give it. That's what you give it. One and done. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm happy I saw it. I don't feel like I wasted my time, though. As with any art, watch it for yourself. Yeah, you be the judge and uh, leave a review on Amazon. Yeah, please. They're the best. Well, I think that wraps up the very first edition of uh, Gabe and Sammy. He pray, judge. <laughs> Thanks for listening.
1: And this emptiness fills my